Hey, welcome, welcome to Kavanaugh Church on Easter Sunday. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, thank you for coming. I know it was a choice that you made, and I think you made the right choice. God wants you here today to hear a word of hope. We call it the good news. Jesus died on the cross to save you from your sins. He was buried in a tomb. But today we celebrate the fact that Jesus rose from the dead, having a glorified body, making it possible for people like you and me to go to heaven. Right? I've been preaching on heaven the last couple of weeks, and for the next three weeks I will keep preaching on this great subject of heaven. Now, when you go to a movie, before the movie starts, they're going to show all these previews. Uh, they take the best clips of the movie and they put them in what they call a trailer, all right? And they want you to watch that trailer. There, there may be a, a movie that is supposed to be really funny. Well, you know what? In that trailer, it's going to have hilarious scenes in it. You're going to watch that preview and you're going to think to yourself, man, I've got to go see that movie because it's going to be so funny. But then you go and you watch the movie, and guess what? There are only three funny scenes in the whole movie. Huh? The rest of the movie is just absolutely rotten. In other words, a movie is rarely as good as the preview. Well, that's not true when it comes to what we know from the Bible about heaven. What the Bible gives us as a preview to heaven is just that. It's a preview. And you can't even begin in your wildest imagination to begin to comprehend what heaven is really like. It's going to blow your mind. And today we're going to talk about that and how you get to go to heaven. Now, if you grew up in the 1980s, maybe into the 90s, you, and you were a boy, especially if you're a boy, you probably played with a little guy like this. See, you thought this was a chest up here, a treasure chest. It's my toy box, all right? Brother Johnny's not the only one that has toys. I got my toys, and, and, and here's my toy. Anybody recognize this guy? Raise your hand if you know who this is. Okay? All right, so who is it? Uh, say it loud like you really know. There, there, in the early service, there were three people who knew, <laughs> who knew who Optimus Prime was, all right? Uh, I think they came out in like 1984. Since then, uh, there's been a whole series of, uh, of these rescue bots. That's what Optimus Prime is. Uh, they've turned them into comic books, several movies. This is a good guy right here, Optimus Prime. Good guy. Fred, he's here to save the planet. Optimus Prime. He can do that. You know why? He is a transformer. That means he can transform himself from this robot to that semi-truck. Now, oh boy. <laughs> I never was good at stuff like this when I was a kid. I wished I had a six-year-old kid up here, but he'll, look, I did it. Whoa, give me a hand. Hey, hey, little inside secret. You think those ladies practice long and hard for that special? I've been practicing to do that right there, all right? So uh, that's what Optimus Prime does, though. He is a robot that can turn into a semi-truck, or he is a semi-truck that can transform himself into a robot. <laughs> Thank you for saying amen because there's something really spiritual about that. Three days after Jesus died on the cross and was buried in the tomb, He rose again. Get this, with a transformed body. A new body. 
And that is awesome because it took God's power to transform the body of Jesus into that resurrected, glorified body. And we know from the Word of God that Jesus ascended back into heaven a few weeks later, and He is coming again sometime in the near future to redeem His bride, the church, and give all of us who are born-again Christians a new, transformed, glorified body. That is the next big thing in world history. Jesus is coming back, and you get a brand new body if you're a believer. This morning, that's what we're going to talk about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to see how all of this transpires and takes place. Last year, last week, we learned that heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. In other words, for us to be able to inhabit that new heaven, we're going to have a new glorified body. And Jesus Christ is the one who can give us that. Now, some of these people in the Old Testament city of Thessalonica, or New Testament city of Thessalonica, had some questions, just like we have questions about what it's going to be like when we die. And what about loved ones who have already died and gone on? What about them? Are they in heaven with Jesus? And that's what Paul talks about in verse number 13. He says, Brothers, we do not want you to be like the rest of men who have no hope. It really, that is the condition of most people today in our world. They have no hope. They look at their life, they look at their future, they, they look at, at eternity, and they have absolutely no hope. They look at friends and family members who have died before them, and they have no hope. I'm here to tell you today, we can have hope. That's what Easter is all about, to give us hope. If you know and you believe the things that are about to happen that Paul talks about in 1 Thessalonians 4, you can have hope. And what is that hope? Number one, hope is this. We hope in the return of Jesus Christ. Our hope is in the second coming of Jesus. Verse 14b says, We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. Again, this is Easter Sunday. Today we celebrate the fact that Jesus died and rose again. And guys, let me tell you, that changes everything. What Jesus did on Calvary's cross and coming out of the empty tomb changes everything. And again, the next big thing in God's calendar is going to be the return of His Son, Jesus Christ. It's not going to be who wins the national championship, even if you are a Badger fan. Go Badgers, beat Duke, right? I mean, you know? The next big thing in world history is, is not whether or not we sign this treaty with Iran, you know? That's what it, the next big thing on God's calendar is that Jesus Christ is going to break that eastern sky open and He's coming again. Verse 16, For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. This verse teaches us three truths about the return of Jesus Christ. Number one, it is literal. It's really going to happen. The verse says the Lord Himself will come down. 
His second coming is just as real as His first coming. It's just as real as His death on the cross, His resurrection, and His ascension. Friend, I'm here to tell you, Jesus is coming again. It's reality. Number two, it's personal. The Lord Himself is going to come. Not an angel or a messenger from heaven. The coming of the Lord means that Jesus will arrive. Jesus Himself is coming again. And number three, it is unmistakable. Right? I mean, if you talk about something that's going to be transforming, that is it. It will be unmistakable when Jesus breaks the eastern sky and comes again for the redeemed, His church. I think Phillips does it justice in his translation and gives us the impact of the original Greek here when he writes, One word of command, one shout from the archangel, one blast from the trumpet of God, and God in person will come down from heaven. He's coming again. And when He does, it's going to answer all of the questions that we have. I love what John said in 1 John 3, 2. Dear friends, now we are the children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when He appears, that is, when Jesus comes back, we shall be made like Him, for we shall see Him as He really is. We're going to get to see Jesus. Our lives will be transformed and changed. And all of the questions we have are going to be answered when He returns. My hope today is Jesus is coming again. I believe that. Put this thought in your mind. It could be before we finish this service today. We, we believe in the imminent return of Jesus Christ. That is, Jesus could come back at any moment. He could come back today. The second thing that I, I want to give you hope in is this. There is going to be a resurrection of our deceased loved ones who are believers. Look at verse 14. We believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. Now, that, that little phrase, fallen asleep, is one way the New Testament describes the death of born-again believers. It's like their bodies are asleep in the grave. Now, here's what we do know. We've learned this the last two weeks. When a believer dies, immediately their spirit goes to be with the Lord. We will bury their old body in the dirt, in the grave, but their spirit goes to be with the Lord. Last night that happened for, for some of the families in our church. They, they, they lost a loved one. Brother George Seabolt, what a great man of God, Brother George was. It's been a while since he's been able to come to church because of his health. Last night, he breathed his last breath on this earth, but immediately, guys, twins, listen to me, immediately when your grandpa breathed his last breath here last night, his next breath was in heaven. Next week, I want to talk about what happens one second after we die. Well, I can tell you for Brother George, that next second, he was in heaven. Now, this next week, we're going to have his funeral, and we will bury the body of Brother George. But you know what? Brother George is in heaven. That's where his spirit is with the Lord. We don't have to worry about him. We know where he's at. The Bible says in verse 15 of 1 Thessalonians 4, We who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, 
will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. So in, in other words, those who happen to be alive when Christ returns are not going to be the first ones transformed. It will be those who have already died. Because verse 16 says, the dead in Christ will rise first. Now what I'm about to tell you is pretty exciting, so hold on to your pew. All right? Don't, don't start hopping pews right now, but, but this is pretty cool. It, it's going to be something to behold when this happens. Let me tell you, every cemetery on the face of the earth, every place that a believer has been buried, where their body has been buried, I don't care what's happened to the top of that gravesite. Maybe they've built buildings on the top of it. Or maybe people were buried years and years ago and now there's a, there's a mall on top of their grave or there's concrete on top of their grave. When Jesus comes back and calls His own home, every cemetery, every grave plot is going to bust open. The graves of all these saints will be open and their spirit is going to be reunited not with that old earthly fleshly body that's decaying in the grave, but what's going to resurrect is a brand new, glorified, resurrected body. Hey, it's going to be awesome to see something like that happen. Huh? Their spirit come down from heaven, a new resurrected body come out of the grave, and the two are united. The fact, listen to me, the fact that it happened to Jesus Christ is the assurance that it's going to happen to us. Now let me give you another verse in John chapter 5 for those of you who like to get deep and think deep about stuff. Jesus said a time is coming when all who are in their graves, all, all people in their graves, will hear His voice and they are going to come out of the grave. Let me, let me just add to this. There will come a time when every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. A lot of people don't believe right now, but one day they will believe. For a lot of people it will be too late on that day, but everyone is going to acknowledge that He is the Lord. All right? But all people will come out of their graves who hear His voice and says, come out. Those who have done good will rise to live. The old version says to the resurrection of life. And those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. Again, the old version says they will rise to the resurrection of condemnation. Now, I don't know, you may be surprised at that. Maybe you didn't know that verse was even in the Bible. But it tells us right there that everybody, everybody is going to be resurrected from the grave. Everybody's body is going to come out of the grave, both believers and non-believers. Now when Jesus Christ returns, the body of believers, that is the redeemed of His church, will join to their spirits and receive this new glorified, perfected body. They will then go to heaven and spend all eternity with Jesus. But the Bible says that at a later date, the bodies of those who rejected Christ will also be raised but they don't get new glorified bodies. In fact, I think the insinuation from Scripture is this. They're going to be reunited with their old earthly, fleshly body that is decaying and whatever illness or problems they had, they're still going to have as they are sent to the lake of fire. That is, the resurrection of condemnation. And they spend eternity in hellfire. 
Now, I know this is Easter and you want a message of hope. I'm about to get, get back to that hope. But there's a word of warning right there. Everybody's going to come out of the grave. There's going to be a resurrection of both believers and non-believers. You, you want to be on the believer side. <laughs> you want to get that new glorified body. And, and what about those that receive that new glorified body? What's it going to be like for those believers? Well, I just want you to think about loved ones that you've had who were believers, whose, whose bodies were consumed with some kind of illness or, or sickness or disease. And maybe the last time you saw that grandma or that aunt or uncle or that good friend, they were in a hospital bed or maybe a nursing home, and they had been stricken with disease and sickness and pain. But you know what? When Jesus returns, they're going to get a brand new body. A glorified body that will never again experience sickness or pain or hurt. Well, that's good. I saw my granny Whitmire suffer with a terrible disease. Constant pain. I've been at the bedside of hundreds of believers that I've known and ministered to who have had Cancer and heart problems and sickness and, the, and the, just to just to lie there and to breathe was pain. You know what? When Jesus gives him that new body, ain't no more of that stuff going on, man. A glorified body they will receive. But remember, the resurrection is necessary because we're going to need these new glorified bodies to inherit heaven for eternity. Now, here's the third thing that's going to happen. That is the rapture of living believers. Verse 17 says, After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so will we be with the Lord forever. Okay? If you're a believer and you're alive, when Jesus comes back, this verse says, you're going to be caught up with them. All right? The word caught up means to snatch something away suddenly. Just kind of like grabbing in and, and picking it out and snatching it up. There's almost a, a violent connotation to it. Not to scare you, but I mean, it's just going to boom, bam, wow. It's going to happen. I was trying to get you excited there, but you are a tough crowd, man. It, the Latin translation is the word we get the word rapture from. We're going to be raptured. God's going to snatch us away. Now, just imagine what it's going to be like when the rapture occurs. You've got dead believers being raised out of cemeteries, and, and suddenly you've got these alive believers who are being snatched away wherever they are, whatever they're doing. Here's the way that the, the Bible describes it in Matthew 24. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. Now, I tell you, when I was a kid, we talked about this all the time. And, and back then, like in the 1970s, people had bumper stickers on their car. I can remember reading this one bumper sticker. I hadn't seen it in years, but it said, Warning, in case of the rapture, this car will be driverless. Y'all remember those bumper stickers? Hey, big question. Anybody have one of those on their bumper back in the 70s? Eh? Let, let, let me bring it up to a modern translation. Two ladies are walking down the produce aisle of Walmart. One's going to be taken, the other left. Four guys are putting on the green at Fianna. 
18th green. One taken, three left. Galpoca Posse of Cowboys are shooting the stage. Land run. 28 in the Posse. Two are taken, 26 are left. That's about <laughs> I was counting how many would be in there. It would be me and Cowpoke. We'd be taking the rest of them. <laughs> 600. 600 people worshiping at Cavanaugh Free Will Baptist Church Easter morning, 1030 service. Five ninety nine taken. You, you know what it's going to take for that to happen? The power of God. It's going to take the power of God. The resurrection of Jesus Christ required the power of God. So will the rapture require the power of God. I love Philippians 3, 20 and 21. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control will transform our lowly bodies so that we will be like His glorious body. That's the power of God. The same power that He uses to hold this universe in order and keep everything running is the power that He's going to use to transform your lowly body into a glorified body like His. So, the dead will undergo a transformation like that our Lord experienced when He was raised from the dead and given a glorified body. And the living saints, the rest of us, will be transformed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the rapture. So we've seen the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to happen. When He comes back, He's going to resurrect the dead. He is going to rapture the saints. And then finally, number four, there's going to be a big reunion of God's family. This reunion is with all believers of all times. Look at verse 17a. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them. Everybody's going to get together. All believers from all ages will be together. But most importantly, this reunion is with the Lord because verse 17 ends by saying, and so will we forever be with the Lord. <laughs> wow. You see, the purpose of this great reunion is to meet the Lord Jesus Christ and to be with Him forever. And I, and I look forward to that day. I really do. I've never seen Jesus face to face. I've seen pictures of Him, or at least what some people think He looks like, but I've never seen Jesus. I gave Him my heart and life when I was a boy at six years old. I trusted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I, could, I confessed my sins. You say, well, what sins could you have had when you were six years old? You just asked my mama. <laughs> I was a pretty mean little kid, I'm telling you what. Uh, the list went on and on and on that Sunday night when I was confessing all my sins to the Lord. But you know what? He forgave me, just like He will forgive you. I invited Him into my heart. He changed my life. He took my name, William Richard Harmon, and he wrote it in this special book we've talked about the last two weeks. It's called The Lamb's Book of Life. Everyone who has been saved, everyone who has confessed Jesus as their Lord and Savior, their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. 
And on Judgment Day, when we stand before the great judge, our Lord, He's going to open that book. And your only chance of getting into heaven, the only way you can make it in, is to have your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. And how do you do that? Is it just by happen chance? Is it by the lottery? No, man. You get to make that choice right now, right here. You make the choice. I'm going to choose Jesus. I confess Jesus is my Savior. You're born again. You're saved. Your name is in the book. And then, and then you're going to be able to see Jesus. Haven't seen Him. I've given Him my life. I've had some great times of, of worship. I mean, I had an excellent time worshiping the Lord this morning with our praise team. And those ladies that sang, man, that was awesome, wasn't it? I've experienced the Lord in my quiet time as I've devoted. I've, I've, I've met Him often on the freeway or in traffic on Rogers. Man, that's supposed to be funny. Y'all guys didn't laugh. But I've never seen Him face to face. When I get to heaven, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to meet Him. I'm going to get to be with Him, spend eternity with Him. You know, you can't even begin to imagine what heaven's going to be like. No matter how cool or how great or how awesome you think it is, it's not even going to begin to scratch the surface of what it really is like. And that's what we're waiting for. It's what we're looking forward to. If you have hope in this life only, you are, of all people, the most miserable. Because this world doesn't give you any hope. Our hope's in heaven. Okay? And what are we to do with this great news? Well, it tells us in verse 18, Therefore, comfort or encourage one another with these words. That word comfort or encourage is found over and over in the New Testament. It can actually mean three different things. It can mean to comfort. It, it, it is translated. Therefore, comfort each other with these words. And when I preach a funeral sermon, usually when I'm at the graveside, I will read this passage from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and I will use this to comfort those people who are brokenhearted. Because there's comfort here. Yeah? Maybe you're here today and you need that comfort. You've lost a loved one. Well, let me comfort you with the words that if they believed in Jesus Christ, they're in heaven. And you can see them again if you have a mutual friend named Jesus. The word can also mean encourage. We know what it means to encourage one another. Some of you need that encouragement today. You're, you're going through tough times. Let me tell you, this, this world is a rough place, is it not? And at best, it can be tough. Man, there's all kinds of junk going on, and, and Christians are facing persecution. We're going to face more and more in this country that we live in. And, and maybe today you just need that encouragement. You need to be encouraged by your pastor as he stands here and on the authority of God's Word tell you, you can make it. You can make it. God gives us His Holy Spirit to live in our heart and to help us in every decision of life. No matter what difficult roads we are to face, God is going to face them with us. And no matter how bad this world gets, we've got heaven. That's our hope, man. So don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Don't quit. You know, it may get worse, but eventually it's going to get better. <laughs> I mean, dude, I don't know. I'm 53 years old. I don't know how long I'm going to live. I, I hope I live to be 70, 80, 90. I don't know, 110. I, I don't know. You know what? That's not very long, is it? I mean, what is 30 years? <laughs> it's nothing. 
what really matters is eternity. Because that doesn't end. So my encouragement for you today is this. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. You can make it. And God can help. The third way this word can be translated is exhort. Or to challenge. Therefore, exhort one another with these words. Challenge one another with these words. And that's what I want to end with today. Because you know what? We need to be challenged. Don't we? You, you need to pick up your game, dude. <laughs> you know? It, that's what we do with each other. We challenge one another. I was, I was driving back from a, from a cowboy shoot yesterday. I got to go shoot uh, cowboy action with some guys. And, and uh, you know, I was thinking, I've, I've, I've been doing this five or six years. And, and I've got about as fast as I can get. And, and then I said, no, you know what, Harmon? You can get faster. Because there's guys out there you need to beat. And it kind of goes back to this whole thing, and I'm just talking to the guys here. Ladies, you can cover your ears. I don't care. Listen, guys, we need we need competition. You know, it's just the way we were made, man. We we need to be able to compete. We need to we need to go out there and get in the field, get in the mud and the dirt and the blood and fight and have victory, right? Well, what kind of wimps do I have out there anyway? <laughs> Come on, don't we? We need that challenge. And as a pastor, one of my jobs is to exhort and challenge you to live the life God has called you to live. Some of you need to be exhorted today to give your heart to Jesus. Man, let me tell you, everything I have preached today is the truth in God's Word. I don't care if you believe it or don't believe it, think it will happen or won't happen. It is beyond us. It's going to happen. And when he comes back and breaks that eastern sky open, dude, it's going to be too late to make any decision for Christ then. I exhort and challenge you to make your decision today. To trust Jesus today. To make sure your name is written in the Lamb's book of life today. I also challenge you as believers, you know what? You need to think more about heaven. I really think this, if, if, you, were, if you were thinking more about heaven you wouldn't do some of the stupid, dumb things you do every day. Would you? Let me tell you, you probably don't want to be doing those stupid, dumb things if Jesus did come back. And He's going to come back. So I challenge you today to think more about Him. You know what? There's, there needs to be something just kind of boiling up inside of us, yearning, groaning for Jesus to come back again. We should be groaning like a, like a sick person groans to be well. Something inside of us needs to be groaning like a, like a prisoner who groans to be free. Or a farmer who's groaning for his produce to, to make harvest. Or like a hungry person who's groaning for food. Church, I exhort you and challenge you to be longing for and looking for the return of Jesus Christ. Realize it could happen at any point in time. And you need to be living the right kind of life. Are you? Heavenly Father, I pray right now that Your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts. There's someone in this room who needs to be saved. They, they need to confess Jesus as their Lord and Savior and be born again. I pray that that would happen during this time of prayer that they would be set free from all their sins and, and have their name written in the Lamb's book of life.
Lord, for the rest of us who are believers, may, may we be exhorted today to step up to the plate and live the life You've called us to live. Lord, if there are burdens that we just can't handle any longer, may we bring them to the altar and be relieved of those. If, if we just need help, Lord, I pray that we would come and pray and ask for that help. May this be a, a great time for people and families just to come to the altar and give praise to you, Lord Jesus, for what you've done and what you've given. What a great day, Easter Sunday, 2015, for the families of, of Kavanaugh Church people to come and as a family just thank the Lord and pray to the Lord and ask God to bless their family and bless this church. Lord, you, you know who needs to come, and as you prod them to come, I pray that they would, and we praise you for it. In Christ's name.